You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know, non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. All right, Purple Daily on Draft every Monday right here on the Purple Daily YouTube channel and podcast family. Declan Goff, Thor Nystrom, Tyler Fornis here every Monday to break down a Vikings draft angle. We've turned mock draft season into a full-on podcast once a week uh, here on Purple Daily. So thank you for everyone who has uh, listened so far, has subscribed, has left comments uh, to ask these draft nerds about football things. So I'm really excited to talk to them uh, again this week as we get closer to training camp. Training camp's basically here, fellas. Rookies are getting there. I saw Kirk was in the building in his dad outfit already, so it's here. Training camp football, baby. Let's go. Are you excited? I, I, I am excited. Some of the rookies are driving too quickly to get there. I'm <laughs> sure we'll, we'll get into that. But, yeah, exciting times. Training camp starting up. Uh, it's a, it's another football season is here. The, the summer is coming to a close. We got another month. But, yeah, football starting up. It, it always gets the juices going. Oh, absolutely. And I, I just want to point out that uh, scrolling through the YouTube comments, um, Vike Static 69 thinks I'm the most annoying person on the channel. So I just want to point that out that I win. Nice. And that, that yeah, it's, it's an absolute wonderful day. Yeah. But say now that there's more guys uh, in, in the fold here, you two, especially, uh, th- it's just more room for criticism and more room for people to shoulder blame. So thank you to you guys for helping uh, shoulder all that blame, not just the content you make for us, but also the uh, criticism that you guys certainly will get. Uh, and by the way, we'll take any of those criticism or comments on future episodes that you want to hear us talk about, whether it's college football prospects, uh, Vikings, rookies, NFL, anything you want us to answer, we'll do it on the YouTube comment section. So drop us a comment if you want something answered on a future episode. We monitor those comments for uh, episodes like these. So, uh, yeah, drop us a line or hit us up also on the Score North app. There's a feedback option there, too. All right, boys, let's start with the Jordan Addison angle. So the Vikings rookie wide receiver, it's been a little bit of a up and down, mostly kind of down situation for him since he was drafted by the Vikings. He set out most of the OTAs, uh, claiming he's still going to be healthy, ready for training camp. But then unfortunately, uh, late last week, he ends up getting pulled over for going a buck 40 on Interstate 94 uh, near Dale and near the Midway area of St. Paul. Uh, I guess, is, is this just a... One bad luck thing, Thor, and you kind of can wipe the slate clean. Are you, are you starting to get pent up, a little bit of nervousness here? I guess, what do you make of the Vikings rookie wide receiver so far? I don't pawn it off like that, no. I To me, it's inexcusable. You know, after the Henry Ruggs thing, yeah. uh, you can't be driving, what was it, 140 miles an hour in mm-hmm. your, your Lamborghini? What are you doing, man? 3.15 a.m. on on Thursday, uh, you're putting, you're, you're jeopardizing other people's lives at that point, whether you're sober or not, you can't, you can't be drag racing on, on the street like that. He, he, I guess he told the cops, we found out today that he said it, he had to get home to his dog or something stupid like that. I haven't used that excuse since high school with the dog eating the homework or whatever. I, I, and, and at that point, like, what do you even, your excuse is that you have to tend to your dog, but you're, you're playing with other people's lives by driving that fast not a good luck. Um, been told some weird anecdotes about Jordan Addison around town, uh, you know, which I shared with you guys off air. 
Uh, it has not been a great start to Jordan Addison's uh, career here the, the first couple months. I will say I reached out to um, some contacts around the USC football program. I don't have any around the PIP program. I had not heard about Addison getting into trouble in college, which is why some of these things had surprised me. Um, I did not hear from those guys. They had not heard about Jordan Addison getting into trouble or any of the coaches saying anything bad about him. Nothing like that. So, I mean, like some of these things cropping up, uh, you hope it's a one or two month blip from a kid who has, you know, been enriched for the first time in his life. Maybe he's feeling himself a little bit too much. Hopefully this public backlash sort of slaps that down. Now he's got football back in his life with training camp starting up. Hopefully now he gets back on, on the straight and narrow, but, but yeah, I don't pawn this stuff off. It's absolutely inexcusable. All right, so it's inexcusable to Thor. I guess, Forno, how do you kind of look at a guy uh, who's now who was going 140 on the highway? Yeah, hasn't been, you know, around the or hasn't been active to play, practice in OTAs either. I guess, how do you look at the Vikings rookie wide receiver? Man, this is a difficult one because, look, we can sit here and talk about how, like, when we were, when we were young kids, we were going real fast in our cars. We've all done it. Yeah. And there is a level, and I think what Thor said is, is, it really well put it's inexcusable but we also have to remember this is a 21 year old kid and if the story is true about how he was actually going to his dog look i got two dogs right behind me and you may be able to hear Odie chewing on his bone as it reverbs on my desk that you'll do anything for that dog and i think there's some level between understanding that this is incredibly inexcusable and understanding that this is a young man who is still learning how to be an adult. I'm 33 years old. I'm still learning at times how to be an adult. I think we can give him a little bit of grace while also saying that this is completely inexcusable and you need to be a lot smarter, especially considering as Thor mentioned the Henry rug stuff. Now Addison to our knowledge did not have any alcohol in his system because obviously he wasn't um, booked or charged with anything alcohol related with this incident. But we, we, there's, a, there's a delicate balance here. And I'll tell you, the discussion on social media has been absolutely abysmal. It's been disgusting. And how a lot of individuals have really taken this story and used it to push whatever narrative they have, whether it's pro-Vikings or this guy is just a bad person. He's a young kid who made an awful mistake. Thank God nobody was hurt. Let's remember that he's young and he can learn from this mistake but also understand that it, this is inexcusable and you cannot do this again. There is a delicate balance. We need to find it and understand that while also levying some sort of like massive criticism or punishment on this young man that you need to find that balance and whatever that is, go with it. It's he's 21. We've all done dumb stuff at 21. Just thank goodness. Nobody was hurt. Yeah. That's how I look at it too. I mean, you got a guy who's entering his early 20s. He gets life-changing money. Um, and, you know, a lot of those guys, and you get that money, and it, you end up doing dumb things. And I'm, I'm sure he's trying to get his, you know, get his ducks in a row and make the right decisions. When you get that amount of money and you're that young, it can be really difficult to make all the right decisions. You kind of feel a little bit of invincible, basically. Uh, so I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt and wipe the slate clean and say, all right, so training camp starts next week. 
and we're ready to go, and you're healthy, and you're contributing to the offense. We can put all this noise behind us, and and we probably should do that too. Uh, but man, just it just seems like the Vikings rookie got off to just a kind of a, a sour foot here, and he has the rest of the summer to make up for it. And we'll certainly see how he plays once Week One rolls around against the Bucks. Uh, but I, I just, I just want to wipe the slate clean of it. Hopefully, he learns from it, becomes a better person. And uh, and probably, you know, the, the good thing with the Vikings, I think there are a lot of people behind the scenes, veteran guys who can probably help him out a little bit, you know, put him in the right situations to, uh, you know, when you go from two different colleges, which is what he did, right? He went from Pitt to USC. Now he's learning an NFL system. Uh, you get a lot of different faces telling you a lot of different advice, good and bad. So hopefully he has just surrounded himself, I think, with the right people and, and he can obviously learn from that. Uh, going and, forward. And, and Declan, to that point, I've already been told that Addison has gotten a talking to on a couple different things by a couple different veterans. So okay. that's, you would hope, a, a, a good thing. He's already on the radar by a couple of the, the team leaders, and you hope that's enough to keep the kid in check because he needs to be kept in check. This is not one of the receivers that is going to win on athleticism. The reason that he was picked, he's a technician on the field that wins with route running and stuff like that. He needs to be locked in. Jordan Addison is not going to go into the NFL and beat people just by athletic gifts. We need him locked onto the field and what he's doing there, or he will not succeed in the NFL. He is not a guy that can go and screw around. He cannot be a play when I want to play, practice when I want to practice, screw around when I want to screw around kind of receiver, or he will not make it. So he needs to be locked in. And it's again, it seems like he's on some of these veteran radars now. Maybe this will turn out to be a good thing. And hopefully this is the last occurrence that this ever happens. Agreed. Yeah, hopefully he can learn from it. I know he saw I, I saw the issued statement that he did too and said he was truly sorry for just being, you know, making a, a dumb mistake. And we already touched on the dog factor. And yeah, hopefully he just becomes better from this, man. Hopefully this we can move on. It's training camp. I love that training camp's finally here. And um, he's an important piece of this offense. Actually, let me ask you guys this, because I talked to Judd about this um, on Reasons for Optimism, which we did on Purple Daily earlier today, too. I feel like this Vikings offense as a whole is the best offense we have probably seen in like 10 plus years from a Vikings team. Now, I know you can probably look at 2018 and look, hey, the first year of Kirk, they still had prime Diggs, prime Thielen, prime Dalvin Cook. Ryan O'Neal was a rookie then. But the thing, in my opinion, that separates 2018 from this is two things. Number one, you have two awesome pillars, not just in Brown O'Neill, but Christian Derrissaw. And then you have a head coach in Kevin O'Connell who actually embraces offense and wants that offense not to be complimentary, which is what Mike Zimmer wanted it to be, but you have an offense that's legit top 10. I guess, Forno, do you look at this Vikings offense as probably one of the best we've seen, at least on paper, in like 10-plus years? How do you kind of rank that? I think you got to. And the real intrigue with this offense is you finally have continuity at offensive coordinator. You kind of had that with Pat Shermer 2016 going into 2017. He won assistant coach of the year and ended up earning the head coaching job with the New York Giants. They have the same play caller. They have the same offensive coordinator, even though Wes Phillips isn't calling the plays. He's still incredibly pivotal as far as game plan and structure and game day activities. So having all that continuity is excellent. And you have continuity in the offensive line. You have weapons continuity. And Kirk Cousins doesn't have to install an entire new system in 2023. That's huge because now you're building off of that success. And you're building off of what the foundation that was laid in 2022. We saw in quarterback that he wasn't fully comfortable with the system because it's a lot of checks. It's a lot of pre-snap reads. Peyton Manning famously had three play calls at the beginning uh, when they set the formation 
and he picked the play at the line of scrimmage. Cousins is doing some of that. He's seeing what's going on, and he has these checks where if he sees, okay, this guy's lined up here, we're going to check to this play out of this formation. Being more comfortable with that is such a massive benefit because now you're going to put your offense in better opportunities to succeed. And you have Hawkinson here for another full season. No changes on the offensive line, which we'll see how much that matters. I think it's going to matter a lot, especially when you talk about the development of Ed Ingram and Ezra Cleveland here on the inside. Darisaw is already one of the best left tackles in football. O'Neal's one of the best right tackles. Like that's a big deal. And having less pressure from the defense, which just the addition of Brian Flores should be able to get you at least around to the 20th ranked defense. There's a lot of talent. It's just a lot of potential. So I, I think that what you said here, that this is one of the best offenses in some time is hundred percent. Correct. You have great weapons. You have talent in the backfield. We'll see who really emerges. and this team could really be something special this year, but it's got a very difficult schedule. This is a season of massive intrigue for me. And I think you had to really say one thing about it. That's it. Thor, what do you look at when you look at this offense? um, I guess what's the most comparable offense you can remember in in quite some time going into a season where you're like, man, this offense reminds me of this or in general, is just like what, just one of the better offenses that you can remember going into a training camp. Well, I, I agree with the take because last year, what, what did they finish last year? Like ninth, offense? I think like ninth. Yeah, and 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 let's just compare it to last year, right? Certainly the system continuity, second year in the system is, is going to be better than the first year. We talk about that all the time. You know, a lot of times in, you know, just going to college football, you, you talk about year one as, as a year zero reset. It, it's a little bit different story in the NFL, but year two in the system, you're going to be better than in, in year one. So you have that going for you. The tight end position is going to be better this year because you get a full season of Hawkinson instead of having half the season with the zero spot that was El Busto, Irv Smith. Then, then you have Oliver is going to be taking over for you know the you know you know I guess what it would have been KJ Osborne sometimes and, and that sort of a thing. That's probably an upgrade, especially because then you have Osborne. He can sort of filter in. You have better depth now at the wide receiver position because of that. I think Addison assuming he's got his head screwed on straight will be an improvement over Adam Thielen. Cause Adam Thielen couldn't beat one-on-one coverage anymore. His athleticism had depreciated to that point. If Jordan Addison's head is screwed on, he will beat uh, NFL cornerback twos in one-on-one coverage. So I think that's an upgrade and all you need on the offensive line for improvement there, it's merely just better injury luck, right? right. Like all those guys are young. They're all coming back. Fornis made a great point of continuity on the offensive line that's one of the most important positions for continuity. You get all five of those guys back. A lot of them are, are they're all young, right? You, you get that continuity back. If Darisaw last year was one of the best tackles in football when he was on the field, the second he got injured, all of a sudden the line went from being awesome to stinking. And those, those couple games when he was out were unwatchable. That one game where he very clearly still had a concussion and shouldn't have been out there, but they were like, man, we got to get him back because this yeah. is an SOS situation. That was an unwatchable game as well. And then, of course, they, they had to pull the plug on him then. But, like, if, if we get better injury luck there, if O'Neal can stay on the field, you're going to have one of the best tackle duos in the NFL. And then Ed Ingram is going to be better, right? They, I mean, they threw him to the Hope Wolves so. in year one because they had to. He was a good run blocker right from the get. You know that Ed Ingram is going to play out his career as an above-average run blocker. The pass thing is is what, you know, we, we need to see a better job of. Some of that stuff, though, is just technique stuff. 
hey, Ed, can you stop stepping on Kirk Cousins' feet one second after the snap's done? We could prevent, what, six, seven blown plays right there if you don't do that next season. We'll just take that right away. And then there's a couple technical things. You can get that kid rocking with some moves. He's going to start to uh, erase some of those things away just experientially. He has the tools for pass pro. We knew that. It was the thing that we talked about during his process of like, if he fixes this thing, fixes this thing, starts to get some better situational awareness from some of those crafty different things. The kid's long levered. He has a good anchor and he's athletic. It's just like some of these things, he just needs to get more of those reps in there and, and start to see like, oh, this, this guy's putting his foot that way. Now he's starting to put his shoulders that way. Probably going to dip around the other way, spin that way. Like, I, you know, I, I need to be setting for that, whatever. So he can't just rock me the other way and I'm going to lose my balance, whatnot. And then Cleveland's going to have a better season too. So I, I just think you go across the, the, the whole thing and you're like, oh, wow, this offense actually, just assuming injury luck, is going to be better than last year's. Last year's was number nine. What's the ceiling of this one? Yeah, this the ceiling of this offense is absolutely top five in the NFL. So, and and we know that the defense is is I mean it, it can't help but be better than last year's abomination. So that's where you start to get a little bit like, man, what 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 can we have with this team when they're playing in one of the worst divisions in the NFL by any measure? Totally. Hey, we did get a little bit of like semi breaking Vikings roster news on Monday morning. They're signing a new long snapper. They're signing. Ooh. Tight end and long snapper. That's right. Tight end and long snapper. Didn't know you could uh, play both those positions. Ethically. And Colin Thompson, who spent the past three seasons in Carolina, he's signing a one-year deal with the Vikings. So a little bit of long snapper uh, competition here. Uh, bef- I know I'm putting you guys on the spot a little bit, but do we have any long snapper takes? Because long snapper is one of the most unsung positions in all of sports. It is terrifying. I would mm-hmm. never want to do it. It is like low key one of the jobs I would not ever want because it has so much trust into that person, and I would not want to be in those shoes. Do we have any long snapper takes of Colin Thompson uh, coming to the Vikings on a one year deal from Carolina? Well, he started out at at Forno School at the University of Florida, so maybe I'll defer to uh, to Forno on this <laughs> one. He he, he might have done some hey, some scouting of Mister Colin Thompson. You see this? Boom for Colin but, Thompson. Listen, here's the thing with long snappers. As long as you don't notice them, they're great. But the second you notice them, it becomes absolutely <laughs> abysmal. Having somebody with long snapping ability on your roster that is a backup. Andrew DePaul is an all pro. You're not going to want to replace him. At the end of the day, you need to have somebody who can be a capable long snapper in reserve. Jared Allen was that guy for years. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Having a backup like that is huge. Because if DePaul goes down, man, I don't want to be on the punt team that like that, that sounds absolutely brutal. It's like a fourth and 15 on your own 20. And you have a guy who stinks at long snapping, trying to long snap it. Guess what? They're just going to try and block every single dang punt. Like there's levels to it. So having a guy like him who has tight end experience played 26 games with the Panthers in 2020, 2021 also played in both the XFL and AAF. So he has a lot of football experience. That sounds like a practice squad guy to me because then you have a tight end who you can elevate if you need to. And he's a guy that can long snap in a pinch. That's a big deal. Yeah. And, and to Forno's point, you know, and, and a lot of people out there probably know this, but the NFL changed the rules with the practice squad. I think it was Forno, it was during the COVID season, right? When they lifted those restrictions of the age the the people could be on the practice squad. I'm pretty sure. Yes. Because it, 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 it was by necessity because no, McCown was on one of them and yeah. 
Yeah. I think they've made it, Thor, where you can have four guys, regardless of age, of your total of 10 on the practice squad. So, like, and it's not a number age, it's a vested year age. So, if you have more than four vested years, you used to not be able to be on the practice squad. Now you can. Yeah, and if Quasi's listening to this, Forno and I both have zero vested years, so we wouldn't <laughs> count against that if, if you're looking. We'll get out and start practicing our long snapping. But I, I, I think that's a good idea if you don't have, you know, clearly delineated ideas for those spots, you know, just as far as, like, guys that you like, you know, for the developmental shots. There are – because, they, they, you know, it's not just the, the age thing that they lifted. They also made those things bigger. If it was me, you know, you're just thinking about, like, what's the most efficient way to use this thing? The bulk of my practice squad spots I would use for developmental shots that I liked. You know, like, let's just see if we can work with this guy. We'll give him a year, see if he can progress enough where potentially he could have a shot next year to compete for an active spot. But then the last couple I would absolutely use, like Forno sort of saying, of, of, you know, ones where maybe on the active roster you can't keep a backup. That long snapper, that would certainly describe that your backup for that becomes on the practice squad or uh, potentially an emergency quarterback thing. Now, now in the NFL, this coming season, you can keep a third active quarterback on the roster, but in, you know, let's say that they decide that they're not going to do that potentially then, you know, could, could, could be there, whatever um, just something like that. But that, that's how I would sort of think of the practice squad. And and that potentially opens it up for that kid to, to be, or I guess he's not a kid anymore, but would potentially open up a spot there for him. Hey, Forno, over the weekend, you wrote a piece for Vikings Wire. You and your colleagues did uh, Vikings players who have who could surprise everyone in 2023. And you were tasked uh, with naming uh, Kyrie's Tonga the nose tackle for the Vikings as someone to watch here in 2023. He is a nose tackle, plays one of the most important positions in football. It's not as sexy as everything else, but damn it, you need a really good nose tackle to help plug that middle. Uh, I guess elaborate a little more for our YouTube and podcast audience on why you think he could end up surprising this season for the Vikings. So here's the thing with nose tackles. When you're running a 4-3, it's not as important of a position. You're playing a one gap. So if you're a one technique, you're on one side of the center. And like, if, if you're on the left side of the center, your right shoulder is lining up over their right shoulder. You're handling that a gap. You're not worrying about the other a gap. That's how, that's kind of how like run fits and stuff work with a three, four, you're at a zero technique. You're right in front of the center. You're handling both a gaps. You need to have size and you need to be able to bully the center and be able to move from one gap to the other to be able to stop the run. That's why the three, four can be successful, but you need that nose tackle. Harrison Phillips, really solid player, not a zero technique in a three, four scheme. That's why he's likely moving into the outside. Kyrus Tonga has the size to be able to play in that middle. He's three thirty-five, three forty, And he showed the ability to rush the passer on the outside last season, 10 pressures and 151 pass rush snaps for a guy that size. Those are some really impressive numbers. You extrapolate that over 400 pass rush snaps. In theory, you should be getting almost 30 pressures from that player. That's awesome in a rotational role. I would love to be able to see that. And I think that as you move inside, quickness is that much more important because with tackles, you have to be able to loop around. With guards and centers, you get that first step quick. You can be able to penetrate that a gap really quickly. Think guys like Vince Wilfork. Remember Gilbert Brown of the Packers, Jerry Ball, Pat Williams. Those guys, they got a first step. They were able to penetrate and make an impact on the play. I think Tonga can be that guy. And the one weird thing, unless you're a hyper athlete, 
Mozzie Smith was drafted in the first round. Absolute freak athletically. He ran a three cone faster than Aiden Hutchinson. Hutchinson was like, what? Thor was like 6.8 seconds. Just yep. nut times. Those Michigan defensive linemen are on a different breed. But when you have a guy like that, a Jordan Davis, who is the third best size adjusted athlete of all time, according to relative athletic score, they make a massive impact on your team. But outside of that, they're really devalued. So you can get talent in under, in undrafted free agency or as Tonga, the 252nd pick in the 2021 draft. You can get that value and then they can play well for your team. I think Tonga can make a massive impact in the middle and even in a pass rush rotational role, he can make a difference. And uh, I'm really intrigued to see how he builds upon last season. Yeah, he was a waiver claim uh, by the Vikings last season after uh, he was signed. He went from the Bears to the Falcons practice squad, and then the Vikings signed him straight off the Falcons uh, uh, practice squad to Forno's point. He ends up actually making a a pretty solid contribution to the Vikings defensive line last year. Uh, Nose tackle, too, and defensive line, I mean, again, they're not as sexy, but I guess... How do you go about like drafting those guys? Because like Thor, Aaron Donald's obviously a monster, and I know he's like a, a defensive tackle more than he is a nose tackle. But nose tackles in general, is there a strategy for how you want to find those guys? You obviously don't want to like reach for them super early in the draft. What's kind of your overall philosophy or strategy when it comes to identifying that position? Well, it's you know it's interesting because with with the job like like we got during the spring, when you're looking at all the different guys, you're in a vacuum as far as like scheme. Um, and needs because you're just filling out a board in in a vacuum of those things. What, what Forno's talking about about like the Vikings, the way they're doing it, you have a three four defense, and the the Vikings clearly felt like they had uh, a need along the, the interior defensive line uh, last year. They still probably do, and they were looking around, hunting around in September October around the practice squads, and and they landed on Tonga. They were they were looking for a guy that could occupy there at the, at the nose tackle position. A little bit different thing than when you're looking for, uh, for instance, a, a four three guy on 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 either side of it. Whatever, um, they they ran into one with Tonga. Right now, it you can absolutely criticize Quasi and those guys for their first couple drafts. We need to wait a couple years on it before the full referendums in. Early returns haven't been the best so far, but one thing you have to be optimistic about is they did a good job on the money ball side with the super cheap uh, free agent signings, grabbing people off other, uh, you know, teams, practice squads, the Duke Shelley thing, the Tonga thing. People don't realize this. Kyrus Tonga last year was the number 14 rated PFF defensive tackle in the entire NFL. Mm. Now I, I understand it was, it was in a smaller sample size, but he qualified for that. I didn't have to filter nothing. He had 300 snaps, which is, you know, less than some of these other different guys, but pretty, pretty good in those limited snaps and certainly good enough where he went from on the one hand, he was on the practice squad for a crappy team at the beginning of last season after he had been released as a seventh round pick for an even crappier team the year before he played well enough last year where the Vikings contextually, I'm sure that they were hunting around looking at free agent nose tackles in the draft. I know they were looking around at interior defense alignment, but the Vikings were in this situation over the offseason where you had limited cap resources. You also didn't have a lot of draft picks. And the way it fell for them, they just weren't able to get in a, another a nose tackle. But they felt comfortable enough with Tonga 
where you didn't have to reach for a guy or you didn't have to sort of put out another position um, and, and, you know, just sort of leverage yourself to get that guy. So now Tonga has a great opportunity and you're starting a guy at this position. This is great for the Vikings in the situation they're in where you can start a guy there that you're paying peanuts. Hopefully you get that production that you got from him last year over the entire sample this year, that would be an absolute value bonanza and something that the Vikings need. It's one of those sort of things that you need if you're going to be the the contending team. And certainly on that side of the ball, they need a couple guys to sort of uh, exceed expectations or, you know, again, like extrapolate what they did in a smaller sample over the entire thing. But there's reasons to be optimistic about Tonga. Uh, I, I like what Forno said about one of the things that sort of opened your eyes was him on the pass rush. You know, seeing that 325-pounder, 330-pounder, creating consistent pressures. in Again, in that smaller sample size, he was able in some of these games to come off the bench and be fresh and whatnot. But he licked some guys, and it was like, whoa. I, I remember Dal- Dallas was one. I do, Thor. He wasn't yeah. at 0-1 technique. He was playing 4-I or 5. That's what was really impressive to me was being able to do it against tackles or guards pushing outside, not really on the interior where his focus is going to be this year. Thousand percent. Yeah. What one thing got to clean up just a little bit again, smaller sample size from last year. I I keep having to say the caveat, but missed a few too many tackles last year. It's one thing you want to see cleaned up a little bit when teams are running there on on the interior on them, but the rest of it, uh, very, very optimistic uh, for this coming season. So we'll see how he does. This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. Yeah, we'll see uh, if he can make the same difference he made last year. Hey, I have a feedback question here, actually kind of in the same similar bin. So Andre Carter II, the UDFA the Vikings had, um... He could potentially be an outside linebacker. Maybe he's on the defensive line a little bit too. Uh, but Richard wants to know, could Andre Carter be an option at linebacker if his power is lacking for defensive line work? Is he kind of just like a hybrid? Or will he float around if it's like a 4-3 scheme? Like, how, I guess, how do you kind of look at what Andre Carter could do uh, at both positions? That's what he is. I mean, that, that's what he was at Army, was the stand-up edge rushing outside linebacker in a 3-4, and that's what he's going to be for the Vikings, too. I, I would argue that for him to become sort of like a hand-in-the-dirt defensive end, wow. you would have to alter his body uh, in a big way. Uh, Fornos talked about, like, you know, sort of the thing with the Army training where you had sort of these two things uh, opposing each other, where, like, you had the calisthenics against sort of the football weight training thing and how it was sort of offsetting for him. But he also sort of has this super long angular body. um, That's probably a better fit for the three, four outside edge rushing linebacker in the NFL. Anyway, Um, the the frame potentially could facilitate enough bulk, but we've just never really seen it on him you know, where, where maybe later in life he could be that sort of a guy and his bugaboo. It's always been, holding up at the point of attack, mm-hmm. the strength with that, and then and then sort of holding down and anchoring, trying to set that edge. So for me, he's just the three, four outside edge rushing linebacker. So let's rephrase this. Declan, I want to I want more context with your question. Sure. Are you essentially asking if he can be Anthony Barr, that arch type? So I think that's I think the listener's wondering, yeah, if he can be more of a like true linebacker than 
and like probably more yeah more of someone like Anthony Barr's nature than than maybe a traditional just pass rusher basically. Genuinely, I I have no idea, but the few times I did watch him drop into coverage, and I I did not watch forty games of Army football <laughs> to watch his entire career, but the little bit I did, he's not lost in coverage, and it he does make it difficult with his wingspan and height, and he can clog passing lanes. I think there is some intrigue if you really can't develop as that traditional edge rusher. I don't know for sure if you want him as a linebacker, because he's not going to be able to do a lot of things like a Brian Osamoa can do. He's not going to be able to thump in the gap. He's not going to be able to like be a traditional blitzer, but in an Anthony Barr type role where you're asking him to clog passing lanes. And if he can develop in coverage, I think you may have something there. But I don't think you should be focusing your resources on there until he absolutely bombs as a pass rusher because he has freaky bend for somebody his size. He's almost six foot seven. And once you get some real NFL muscle on him, I think that's when you're really going to see what kind of type of player he actually is. This is a long term project, not a short term play, even though that 340,000 guaranteed tells you otherwise. Give him time. You may not see this guy really hit the field until 2025. And honestly, that's okay because you want to give him time to acclimate to an NFL regimen and body. Cause right now he just doesn't have it. He's a lot closer to playing basketball full-time than he is NFL football. And, and just some context for, for this at, at army over the, the basically three years, he was active 217 uh, coverage snaps for Carter. He was targeted. 23 times, gave up 13 receptions, 135 yards, didn't give up a touchdown in coverage, two interceptions, broke up two more passes, and gave up only an NFL quarterback rating against on those targets of 37.4. So he was was pretty solid, but a very small sample size. And you got to keep in mind, like the, the pass rushing, 530 snaps, so more than double the amount of times, you know, they were sending him. And, and that's like, if you're going to drop him back in coverage, you're obviously not sending him. And by far the best thing about his profile, it's sending him after the quarterback. So like, that's the thing you want him to do it situationally. Sure. Like there's times where you could drop him back, but like the foot that Andre Carter will always be led by it's rushing the passer. So out of the two, that's what you want him to do. The second thing I want his development to focus on is, can we ever get anything against the run out of him? Mm. And that's sort of like a two prong thing. It's like, we need to add some weight on him, which getting him out of the army calisthenic program is going to help. And then getting him into the, you know, NFL uh, uh, weight room as well is, is going to help with that. And then also just tech, the, the technique of it. Cause like he would always do the sort of long leg thing on the first step to the outside in, in college football, trying to steal the outside. Cause he's such like a long lever kid. And he, he did have a quick first step and he could bend the edge like Forno was saying, but a lot of times against the run, it sort of played against him double. Cause he already couldn't hold up in terms of the strength thing. Then the, the tackle would get under his pads. It was so easy for them to just be like, okay, well I'll escort you around here you know, around the arc here. And, and we just opened up an enormous hole, whatever. So that um working on the technique a little bit a, a, as well, but yeah, I don't think it's like out of the realm of possibility with the coverage stuff. It's just like, you want, you want his pass rush. That's why you brought him in. Yeah. He's a big cat, six foot six, 256 pounds. And to your point with size to put on, which is even more impressive, right? When you see a guy that's that big, he had 
uh, 15 and a half sacks at Army in 2021. He was the first All-American at Army in 31 years when he was a third-team All-American. So there's a lot of room to grow there uh, with him. And he doesn't necessarily need to gain weight. He needs to transform his body. And I think that that's something to be aware of, too. Like, you see, like, when you go into, like, a doctor's office, they'll have, like, these little little gimmicks on the table. Like, hey, this is what five pounds of muscle looks like. And this is what five pounds of fat looks like. He doesn't need to gain a lot of weight. He just needs to transform it into muscle and he needs he needs to gain a little bit of bulk so like 265 for a guy who's 67 is fine he could get to 280 and likely not lose a lot just because of what his body is i went to my physical last week i will not share uh, what i clocked on weight and i don't want to tell uh, how much muscle i could have been able to put on we'll just uh, we'll leave it at that thank god i'm not at the nfl combine having to do any of that stuff um Jaron says on our YouTube channel, can you ask what are the thoughts on Spencer Rattler out of SC? He improved a lot last year, beat a couple big time teams. Thoughts on Spencer if we see him take another jump? We've brought his name up a little bit before, uh, but what do you guys make of Spencer Rattler? And do you see another jump to his game from an impressive uh, season last year in 2022? This is a really interesting uh, one. Okay. Yeah, and, go ahead for now. Uh, so Rattler, if you remember, he was on that QB one show on Netflix and he came across like a real jackass, yeah. a real selfish guy. Like, and everything I've heard is that he's grown up a lot since then. Cause he was a 17 year old kid, five-star recruit. I think he won Mr. Football in Arizona as well. Mm-hmm. Goes to Oklahoma. His just retro freshman season was tremendous. And then his retro sophomore year, he kind of lost it a little bit. Caleb Williams takes over halfway through the season, goes to South Carolina, struggles initially. But as you said, those last few games, he stepped up big time, beat a top five Tennessee, beat a top 10 Clemson, and then goes into the bowl game and plays really well. There are elements to his game that are going to wow you. This kid can make any throw from anywhere on the field at any time, whether stationary or on the move. Problem is he gets a little rushed. He makes bad decisions. He doesn't process the field super well. And when you combine all those things into one package, as my dogs fight about whether I'm right or wrong in the background, you, you just have a really confusing picture here. What is Spencer Rattler? It's the same questions we're asking about Bo Nix. Bo Nix has all this potential. He's a five-star recruit in his own right, but he's only got one good season of tape. And that was last year after three seasons of, all right, are you ever going to figure this out? And Bo Nix is being talked about as a first-round caliber quarterback right now. I think Spencer Rattler has more talent than Bo Nix. I think he has more potential than Bo Nix, but he also has more questions. And if he puts it together for a full season this year with Shane Beamer, and he has a great season, this guy can be a first-round pick despite all of his struggles in his past career. But that is also a big if. Anything else you want to add there on Thor? Or is that mostly it from Spencer Rattler? Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's it's very incomplete picture, even though we sort of have a good idea of who the two Spencer Rattlers are. At the beginning of last year, for the first like eight weeks, he wasn't good. It was like, all right, well, I guess we can just sort of write off Spencer Rattler now. And then down the stretch, he was awesome. Uh, tore up Tennessee, uh, was really good against Clemson, and then he was good against Notre Dame in the bowl game. So it's like, oh, now – Spencer Rattler's back. Um, it's like this year we need to get the good Spencer Rattler for the entire season. Um, if we get that, he's absolutely going to get drafted. Um, and if he sort of turns back the clock to the same trajectory we got his redshirt freshman year, 
uh, with Lincoln Riley, where he was the first handpicked Lincoln Riley recruit that ever started for him. Because before Lincoln was just going with all these different uh, uh, transfer guys, you know, it's like Baker and then it was uh, Kyler, you know, different guys like that. But then, you know, Lincoln was like, no, I want that kid. Um, and then obviously, like Forno was mentioning, um, the sophomore year was really weird. Uh, Rattler, there would seem to be something in his head. And then Caleb was, Caleb Williams was nipping on his heels. And then Lincoln Riley seemed to have one foot out the door for USC. And then, you know, Rattler gets benched. And then it was like Lincoln Riley was protecting his feelings. There was one week where they even put, this is a true story. Lincoln Riley and the OU football staff had dorm rooms at OU. They had them put like shades on the outside because the dorms could see the practice field. And Lincoln Riley didn't want it out there that Spencer Rattler had been benched. And so they, they wow. sort of obfuscated the view of it. The student newspaper was able to get it anyway because they climbed up onto the top roof and then they, they overlooked journalism. it. And then Caleb, less journalism, baby. Exactly. Caleb Williams was getting <laughs> the, 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 the one snaps or whatever. So they broke it anyway. But that was all weird stuff. If 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 Rattler hadn't had the last three games of last season where he ripped up those teams, he would he'd be like out of my draft database right now. But we got to see him turn back the clock a little bit in those three games. Forno mentioned the awesome arm that he has. He does have that. He's in a little bit of a smaller package, but he absolutely has the NFL arm. And he has creativity too. There was a guy from PF, I think it was Galena, Seth Galena, a couple of years ago, he tweeted out something that I'll never forget because it was so spot on. He said, Spencer Rattler plays the position like he's playing a video game. And it's, it's so true. You oh, got it perfect on both sides of it because you get the YOLO plays from him where it's like, what the hell was that guy thinking? Where where he, he'll do stuff and make these decisions that no one else will make, but like on the bad side of it. But then also you'll see things where it's like, oh, my God, the audacity. And, and he'll he'll hit the throw, mm-hmm. and he's got the arm to do it. He, he is an assassin downfield when everything is cooking for him. But, yeah, you the, the bad Spencer, you you know, when we saw that at the beginning of last year when his TDI and T ratio was, like, basically even, we need the good Spencer for the end of last season, and he will get drafted. Last thing I'll say, the NFL right now, the Blesto grades, they have a fifth-round grade on him heading into the season, which is where Joe Milton is right now. Uh, Tyler Boyd, Austin Reed also has a fifth rounder on him right now. So so Rattler is on that radar heading into the season. He's got the opportunity. Needs to be consistent all season now, though. I'll say this before we wrap up here. Talking to OU people, the fan base turned on him. They completely turned on Spencer Rattler, and he was kind of treated unfairly by the fan base. Something to be aware of, because when the fan base gets that rabid, whether fair or not, it can creep into a guy's head and it it can create unfair expectations and then also in turn create results that normally wouldn't happen. And that's, that's something to be aware of. College football is a completely different beast from pro football when it comes to like how fans respond to players. Like in the South football is a Saturday religion, especially at programs like Oklahoma who are true blue buds. It's just something to be aware of. Because the second he got South Carolina and you saw him get more comfortable week after week, then he turned it on. That's not by mistake either. He's, he's a real wild card that I'm excited to watch this year. Love it. All right, boys, that's going to do it for us here on Purple Daily on Draft. Uh, for anyone who's still sticking around, hit that subscribe button and like button on this video. And, yeah, drop us some comments if you want anything answered. Training camp is uh, officially go by this time next week, so we'll have more uh, notes from that as well with guys putting on practice and finally playing that football. football. We are excited. Hit that subscribe button. Daily Vikings Entertainment. This has been Purple Daily on Draft.